0: Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie.
1: Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the
0: past. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is More Than Amused Podcast. My name is Sadie. And I'm Stani. And happy Labor Day. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Happy Labor Day. Hope you yeah. are all enjoying your long weekend. I know I am. Resting from I'm not, your labors. Yeah. <laughs> r- resting from my labor, indeed. Not going to work, which is lovely. The amazing. Best. I love mm-hmm. government mandated days off. <laughs> I love them, too. Especially when they fall on a Monday. Like, that's I just, know. it's just a nice little blessing.
1: Wonderful thing.
0: Oh, uh, Taylor Swift announced midnights. <gasps>
1: true I was like things have happened I feel like we have I know about. so that's really exciting it's exciting I was like laughing about it at the same time though because I was like how funny like I know she's not gonna do this but how funny would it be? I think like someone made the TikTok sound of all the times she mentions midnight or the middle of the night.
0: And there's uh literally
1: 12 songs where she mentions midnight or middle of the night. And I was like, wouldn't it be hilarious if instead of like a brand new album, it was literally just like the re-recordings of those 12 songs and then one new one.
0: (laughs) That actually was like kind of what I was afraid of at first. I was like, is this just like a recollection of, you know. her re-recordings but then no there's like literally no way that that's what this is (laughs) no but i was afraid of it i know i just i
1: thought it would be really funny for everyone to be like expecting something new and then it's just like a compilation and she's like and
0: midnights is a compilation of my greatest hits like (laughs) you oh the the outrage like the pure outrage that i would actually feel
1: i know i've seen some crazy theories though there always is yes I've, I've always seen a- people claiming that Midnight's is actually karma, and that's what it's been the whole time.
0: No, I don't uh, yeah, believe I that. Yeah, I don't believe it either. Did you see that, like, she released new editions of the album with the alternate covers? Yes. Because the aesthetic of the album now is, I love it so much. I'm in much. love. I was
1: worried it was only going to be, like, blue and sparkly.
0: Yeah, me too. And it is actually sick, so all the retro vibes i really think we're getting kind of like a i don't know like carol king like super singer songwritery maybe type i hope so
1: i mean the genre on like apple itunes or whatever is like pop rock so (gasps) and that's carol king yeah, I'm kind of hoping for like some soft alt rock maybe. Yeah. Maybe some angry
0: rock in there. I could go for that. I mean, I'm, I've am i been angry at midnight many times oh, in my life. Yes. So that fits the theme. I would actually say that's one of my most angry times of the day. <laughs> yeah, that is the only time really in my life that I've allowed myself to be that angry is usually at midnight when I'm by myself. So
1: yeah so that'll be fun but yeah we have to wait until October I know I'm a little
0: bummed by the traditional album rollout I got a little spoiled with the surprise releases it's been very enjoyable well sorry for a brief I guess this is a Taylor (laughs) Swift episode now but it had to be discussed it did it had to obviously it's been all over our for
1: you page timelines all over yeah yeah well who are we learning about today well I feel like I've talked about this a few times for my BFA project when I finished college I got to create well I chose to create this (laughs) insane book of like I think I did 15 different female graphic designers and kind of what did what we do on the podcast like I talked Mm -hmm. about their life and their career and then put in pictures of them and their art pieces you know and then it was just really fun really cool to see like how all of these very influential female graphic designers made it from like the beginning of their life to the end of their glorious career and Fettler was one of those that like was just extremely inspiring to me So she's been a favorite since then, and I've wanted to talk about a lot more of these people for a very long time, (laughs) but obviously 15 people.
0: This could quickly become like a history and graphic design podcast, which is like not necessarily a bad thing. No, definitely not,
1: (laughs) but not exactly like uh, what we brand ourselves (laughs) and what we're aiming for. We're like aiming Mm -hmm. for all of the design
0: aspects. Anyway,
1: I will say, though, I think I've already talked about two others when I was first doing the project, I did Gail Anderson. She was one of our very first episodes yeah. and talked about her as I was researching her for this project. And then when we talked about the Olympics, I talked about Deborah Sussman a little bit. She did mm-hmm. a ton of Olympic branding and she's another one from this book. So that's awesome. kind of cool.
0: But yeah, So they're still getting their shout outs in, yes, our, in our podcast. <laughs> they're
1: part of my vocabulary now. So yes. <laughs> they come up here and there but one of the really fun things about Bayfeller is that she was a designer at like literally what you'd have to consider like the golden age of graphic design
0: you know how, like okay. the
1: golden age of Hollywood was because like it was just beginning and like all of this money was pouring yeah. into it and everything was mm-hmm. just like beautiful and fundamental because it was like the beginning of history
0: Yes. That's kind of what
1: like the nineteen sixties were for graphic design.
0: Oh, okay,
1: that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, like one hundred percent. Which means that the sixties are just kind of a very fundamental part of American culture. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But for a little state of the arts, what happened to graphic design in the nineteen sixties was kind of what happened to the world in the 1960s in general Mm -hmm. in the 1950s everything was still very like you've seen 1950 advertisements you know like the little people vacuuming and the mom making the sandwiches and like you know the little Mm -hmm. speech bubbles and stuff that would pop up just very like prim proper pretty sexist. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There were some really amazing female graphic designers of the 1950s who did incredible work but the 1950s also invented the famous font Helvetica. If you've heard of it you know what it is. Also
0: I'm pretty sure that Taylor Swift's Midnight's album is Helvetica. Oh you know what it probably is. Because I saw a TikTok about (laughs) (laughs) that (laughs) it's (laughs) to make this again a taylor swift moment (laughs) i mean it is like one of those fonts
1: that like people love to hate on but fundamentally, like, it is a beautiful font. Like, it's not like Comic Sans where you can, like, make fun of it. Because That's it, what it was
0: talking about. It was like, it's literally Helvetica. Like, you, it's just almost like the classic. Of yes. Of course it is. Like, mm-hmm. you can't make fun of
1: Helvetica. It's beautiful. Like, it truly is, like, a beautiful font. It's just been really yeah. overused. Uh-huh. Um, but Helvetica came in the 1950s in, like, Swiss graphic design, which was very, like, black, white, and red, like, very modern shapes, everything like that. Yeah. That was very 1950s. 1960s you have like sex drugs and rock and roll dominating the scene and so design got weird mm. which i love <laughs> they moved into more of like asymmetrical experimental styles more like a messy grunge kind of looks think of like Jimi hendrix posters you know oh
0: yeah like okay,
1: cool different and fun lots of movement weird typography very psychedelic obviously a lot going on there a lot more color mm-hmm. and what's fun too is that there was a lot of like movements happening during that time of course you have like the black movement feminist and a lot of other movements obviously at that time LGBT, that were all creating posters for like their counterculture revolutions because you didn't have a facebook group you didn't have like a twitter
0: forum like that's how you got word out yes
1: you had to hang up your poster and hope that you could find like-minded people so all these designers got to do really cool designs for like all these protests and everything else Um, There's like a famous designer, Milton Glaser. He did the I Love New York logo. Oh, I mean, whatever. Who's that? (laughs) And uh, a very perfect idea of like 1960s design is he has a poster for Bob Dylan that he did Mm. where it's like a silhouette and it just says Dylan in the corner. And then the hair on his head is like all of these like rainbow shapes and Mm. swirls and everything. Mm -hmm. Very 1960s. But, yeah, I mean, there was a lot going on in the 1960s. The music scene was really, like, huge. Yeah. You have, like, the art scene that was going kind of crazy. Like, a lot was happening. So it was just, like, a really big time for graphic design, especially because the Apple computer it was invented in 1976, I think. So it was preparing for that. <laughs> Not quite there yet, but that ended up changing the whole face of graphic design forever. So this was all like Dang. very fundamental to the beginning of that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to say. I mean, that really is cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, her career went on into the 1970s as well. So I'm gonna try not to read directly from this book, but I mean, I did write it out all nice and pretty. So so I think you have every right <laughs> to do that. Definitely. So now we'll get into Bayfeller. So, Bey Fettler was born Beatrice Fettler, actually. But Beatrice with a Z. Beatrice. In Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, on February 5th, 1938. Her parents were actually Jewish and ended up fleeing Nazi Germany, which is insane. Proof, once again, that the Holocaust really wasn't that far away. No. (laughs) They wanted to really provide, like, a European education for her. And so they, like, really stressed, like, broad learning, like, excellence, like, things that were really common in European schools and education, obviously, mm-hmm. since that's where they fled from, Germany. She showed a lot of talent for art and design in her teens, and they encouraged her interests and ended up making a global search for the right art school to send their daughter to and chose Parsons School of Design in Manhattan. Wow. Very supportive parents, completely different yeah. from a lot of others we've talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. They were like, yes, 100%. And to make it even better, her uncle, Edward Newman, lived in the New York area and provided her home while she studied at school. So she was getting Excellent. free room and board, literally at Parsons. like Still yeah. to this day, one of the top art schools. Art schools? In the world, but definitely the United States. Fettler, like, really thrived in New York City. She would stand in line for hours to get standing room at the Met, which sounds beautiful that they had to wait forever to get into the art museums. I don't think that's, like, mm-hmm. necessarily a huge thing anymore, and I love it. Oh. She spent all of her spare time with music, literature, and also at the ballet. Tons of culture, obviously, in New York at I was going to say, time. that
0: sounds lovely. Yes. I know,
1: and surrounded by all of it. While you're going to art school with all of your art school friends, it just sounds very beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) she originally was interested in illustration but ended up getting like a growing fascination with design because of the increase of fashion magazines that were happening at the time she especially loved harper's bazaar which is like a huge magazine yeah is it still being published today i actually don't know
0: i think so actually i just because i know that like musicians are on covers of harper's bazaar at least had been i thought It's still
1: going, I think. They still have a website up. It was like a huge fashion magazine. They obviously still continue today. She loved Harper's Bazaar. And at that time, it was being art directed by a man named Alexey Brodovich. He ended up retiring in 1958 eight that will come into play later after graduating from college she stopped by Harper's Bazaar actually during her job search and she asked them if she could have a job there which is just like the boldest thing in the world and i think we all should do that just like go into your dream <laughs> company and be like hi can i have a job You're like <laughs> i'm here i'm ready to go yes and they told her that she needed more experience but that she should come back later when she had more wow i so just wanted a little bit experience for her, which makes sense. Brand new graduate. She actually ended up returning to Brazil for a short time and started a career there. She had two other friends that were graphic designers as well and they launched their own graphic design studio called E-Studio G. And they specialized in literally the three coolest types of design at the time. Poster design, record album design, and book design.
0: Yes, absolutely. Like
1: 100%. If the industry was still what it was back then, that would be what I would be doing. I would be doing uh-huh. Posters, record albums, and books, 100%. <laughs> Sadly, we are so digital now. But she also got to collaborate on the design of a Brazilian magazine called Senhor, which had a lot of like commitment to graphic concepts and progressive design for cultural and political magazines. Like it was groundbreaking for its time. Oh, cool. And that was a really big deal because it allowed her to really experiment with her design style, try new things that were coming into the market, like really develop a different and unique design style and she also became really really well known for her book cover designs she freelanced for a company called Auditoria de Do Autor this is all in portuguese so In 1961, one of Fettler's teachers from Parsons named Marvin Israel became the art director of Bazaar. Remember how I mentioned the other guy retired in 1958? Well, they got the other art director in 1961, just so happened to be one of her very good professors, who reached out to her in Rio de Janeiro and invited her to join. Love that. Isn't that the best? Sometimes I'm like, man, I feel like if I would have gone to a New York school, I would be like, working at the top design firm you know what I mean
0: yeah (laughs) like it's smaller
1: but I also feel like the world of art and design was just smaller back then true I'm sure especially with being so new yeah definitely so very cool but he ended up, of course, inviting her to work. She jumped at the chance. Why wouldn't you? And yes. um, only two issues released after he started before she did. So literally only two magazines. Oh. And I think it was a monthly magazine. So okay, cool.
0: <laughs> like she hopped right on.
1: Oh, yeah. She was there as soon as... Her flight from Rio connected back to (laughs) America. She also brought her, don't know if they knew each other before. I think maybe they knew each other from school. But her contemporary Ruth Ansel. I actually didn't end up doing Ansel just because her and Bay Fettler are very connected in a lot of ways with their careers. Because Mm -hmm. they actually they joined Bazaar at the same time and then as art assistants. And then this was like insane like this next thing never happens it didn't happen then it doesn't happen today like this is absolutely crazy that it happened two years after they joined the magazine both of them became co-art directors of harper's wow unheard of like Yeah. Like, this does not happen. You don't start somewhere, and then two years later, you're the art director of the biggest magazine. Like, you know what I mean? It's not a small company either. Like, this is a huge deal. Just crazy. A lot of people were actually really skeptic about the whole thing because they were like, it's such a sophisticated publication. They're so young. Like, they're women. You know, like, they're not going to be able to do it. But because they were so young, they actually, like, really brought a brand new, like take it's probably like what they
0: needed yeah yes
1: and it really like blended together like the print traditions and the like current world events and it created like magic Like, Harper's Bazaar was never better than during this time period. And they became really, really well known for it. Like, their names were everywhere during the time because of the work they were doing. They just had, Mm -hmm. like, really high quality design. They responded to a lot of political and cultural changes that were happening. There was actually an article in 1968 in a magazine called Graphics where... Uh, photographer Richard Avedon recalled like, the close collaboration between the two of them when he worked on a cover design with them. It was the April 1965 cover. Highly recommend you look it up. But he said, they were open to accidents, material around the studio and events surrounding them in their office. An inspirational wall collage would grow and change, providing an unending source for our invention. The deadline was passed. It was after 11 p.m., and the photographs of Jane Shrimpton in a space helmet designed by one of New York's most famous milliners wasn't working. Ruth started to explain that we could cut the shape of the space helmet out of day-glow paper, but she never finished because Bay was already cutting the shape. (laughs) Rubber cement color swatches an eighth of an inch between the pink helmet and the gray background. Noah 16th I was in the room and I don't know how it happened and it all happened in minutes the moment was absolute magic to watch Bay, the classic classicist and ruth the modern work as if they were one person like they just worked together so completely in tandem like solving problems and figuring it all out Mm -hmm. um and day glow paper is actually like fluorescent almost like glow in the dark because of how insanely bright and vibrant it is oh cool Um, okay just like the epitome of 1960s right like
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: fluorescent almost neon paper and that ended up being the cover was this model with this like space helmet made out of like pink paper on the front with these like green letters across the front Just super fun. It actually was one of the things I had on our mood board when I was doing the More Than Amuse branding. Oh, cool. (laughs) Which is really fun to think of, too. And the logo is in, like, acid green, which is a wonderful combination. But it ended up winning the New York Art Directors Club Medal as well, like, the cover of this magazine. It was a big deal. Wow. And it's been reproduced many times and is recommend like recognized immensely as like an emblem of the 60s and 60s oh, design. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Bazaar, under the direction of these two women, it would go on to win many more awards. They did a lot of like sequence photography. I don't know how to explain it. They worked so well with photographers. They have this spread where they have these two women in like swimsuits and swim caps okay and one of them like she goes across the page and then her arms and legs cut off at the back and then the other one is in the opposite direction with her arms and legs cutting off in the middle as well and then she goes off uh, across the opposite page so it kind of looks like they're connected but like they're not oh
0: you know okay I think I know what you're saying or describing yeah yeah
1: of course I will post everything for sure okay good (laughs) But yeah, they did a ton of that. Just like these really inventive like spreads where you would like turn the page and it was just something completely different from what you'd expect. Like photographs Mm -hmm. were not in like little boxes with text it was really like an art piece. They were also really good at cinematic pacing which is something we talk about so much in graphic design school. When you're creating a publication if you make everything look the same on every single page it gets boring. Mm -hmm. If you have similar colors and you don't have surprises then it gets really really boring. So like good magazines, good books that are to look at not read, they'll surprise you like every few pages. Like something will shock you and bring your eyes to attention to really like pull you back in so they did a lot of that they also did the same thing with scale like things just being bigger or smaller than you'd expect they brought in a lot of like pop and op art which was huge at the time we talked Mm. about pop art recently yeah Um, we did Mm -hmm. yeah obviously this was the american pop art scene but it was happening the exact same way (laughs) and they brought in a lot of artists and worked with them as well and so they were winning like award after award and all of these design exhibitions and it's just very believed that bazaar was ahead of its time during this time period because it was doing things that had never been done like sweeping the awards like literally like Mm -hmm. taking home the Grammys of graphic design (laughs) I love it one thing that was really cool too and definitely shows how ahead of the time they were in 1965 they really fought to use the first black model in a shoot for a major fashion magazine wow they fought really really hard and they won the right to do it they had their first black model in the shoot it was the first time it ever happened and customers ended up canceling subscriptions (gasps) advertisers withdrew deals public backlash ensued and it ruined a lot because management got scared and then they didn't allow black women to be featured in the magazine until years after fettler
0: left wait what year was this
1: 1965 oh my god yeah Which is insane. That was literally the year my dad was born. So Mm -hmm. really not that long ago. And like people cancelled their subscription over a black woman being in the magazine. I don't even think she was on the cover.
0: It was just the fact that she was in it.
1: Yes. Isn't that insane?
0: It's I mean, yeah. (laughs) At this point I'm not like surprised, you know, by these horrible things, but it I think you're right. Like hearing it. And being reminded that, like like you said, like that was literally the year that your dad was born. Mm-hmm. It's a good reminder that this was not so far away. No,
1: definitely not. Absolutely crazy. But very, like, brave and bold of them to really fight for that and win, mm-hmm. despite what ended up happening
0: afterwards. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. I will be spotlighting an amazing artist that I found... I found her because I went to a tomato festival in East Nashville. They have like a tomato fest every year. I love and everything it was, about this. Yeah, it was really cute. <laughs> I actually was like thinking about you while I was there because I was like, Stani would love this. Because <laughs> there was like so many vendors of like artists and things like that. But also like the artists did a lot of, you know, tomato themed Art and all different kinds of things. But I found this one, and she didn't necessarily have like a tomato themed, but I was so obsessed with her artwork. There was one that I absolutely loved, but she didn't really have it in the size I wanted, or else I would have gotten it. But I did get like a, just a $5 postcard that she had. It was just so cool. I, anyways, but her name is on Instagram is just Tree Lilies. T-R-E-E-L-Y-L-L-I-L-Y-S. And she does, like, hand-cut vintage collage art. And her Instagram, I don't feel like properly shows her artwork as much. This is not an insult to her Instagram by any means. But, like, go to her website. Because, yeah, it looks like on her shop she's mainly highlighting, like, the different shows that she does throughout, or shops that she's at around Nashville and things like that, which... I mean, that's how I found her. So it's great. But like she has this one specifically of like Dolly Parton that I absolutely love. Of like all the spaceships. If you can't see it, this is like what it looks like. That is so cool. Mm hmm. Or like things like this. Like this one's titled The Bad Vibes Tribe. (laughs) And I just I just love it so much. And yeah, she does amazing work. There was one in specific that I absolutely loved, but I'm not seeing it on her website, which is making me a little bit sad. But now I know that I just have to go to one of the events that she is at and maybe I'll find it because it was just so good. But anyways, would recommend because it was awesome.
1: I love the stuff that people are doing with like vintage collage art now.
0: Mm-hmm, me too.
1: I have a designer I've been following for a long time. Her name is archive underscore Matilda. On Instagram. And it is Matilda, of course. She's actually in Sweden, which is fun because that is a major place for graphic design. But she has been doing a poster every single day for 134 days so far. Oh, cool. And they're just always like random like today's was um she just had like insert some small text here insert some small text here insert title here okay. insert. you know like me it's funny yeah and then she also did one for corn cuz that's going
0: viral everywhere <laughs> yes it absolutely is everywhere
1: uh, yes she did another one for like the new shoes that she got one of the ones i actually ended up posting it on my story cuz i thought it was funny she did like the 3 g's girl boss gatekeep gaslight Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is something Maisie peter says all the time and it's just really yeah. funny and yeah just like a bunch of them i don't know they're fun they like are fun i'm s-
0: stalking her and i love it today i love it so much how to not be tired all the time you know just a fun fun time mm-hmm <laughs> this one for all the people who doubted me you were right
1: (laughs) i love this one too It's just like no i don't struggle with anxiety
0: it actually comes quite easily to me (laughs) i actually like this one genuinely just like sometimes done is better than perfect which like i have heard that before but it has all the daisies on it which feels like it's for me personally so yes definitely they're fun
1: i don't even know if she's selling any of them to be honest i was just gonna say like
0: i want a print of that so that's a shame
1: yeah i don't know if she is i think you might have to message her that she doesn't have like a website link or anything which is a bummer because i feel like some of these would be phenomenal art pieces yeah i would love to i think she might have some of them on society six Mm-hmm. Um, which is like a website a lot of people use to sell art and then they handle all of the distribution and printing. So you might be able to find her on there, but I know definitely not all of the ones that she's done are on there. Dang. So.
0: Well, maybe I'll have to message her and be like, hi, I want this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would give it a shot. She's also like a huge Taylor Swift and Harry Styles fan. So,
0: well, there we
1: go. Yeah, if you go back a little while, she's got some Taylor Swift ones. She's got some Harry Styles ones just something for everyone all right now back to the show like I said they worked really really well with photographers it became like a major thing for the magazine their collaboration with these photographers that they used Um, Mm -hmm. they'd have like long-standing relationships with Bazaar, which I don't think was very common I think you'd bring in a photographer for a shoot and then you'd bring another one the next time you know like kind of switch it around But they ended up bringing back the same people over and over again. The one that I mentioned before who the quote was from on the Space Helmet cover, Mm -hmm. Richard Avedon, he also was the one who shot the first black model.
0: Oh, wow. And he
1: ended up collaborating with them a ton. Like, he was a regular name for Harper's Bazaar at the time. Probably the most... um,
0: Like, the most regular?
1: Yes. Like... They used them a lot. <laughs> and then they also had some other photographers like Hero, Bill Saleno, Dwayne Michaels, Bill King, and Bob Richardson. Obviously, all male names. I don't know how prominent it was to be a female fashion photographer at the time. But yeah, they worked really closely with all of them. There's actually this fun quote from Fettler herself about like the design philosophy of a magazine. And she mm. says a magazine should flow, it should have rhythm. You can't look at one page alone. You have to visualize what comes before and after. Good editorial design is all about creating a harmonic flow.
0: Ooh, I like
1: that. Yeah. Just kinda what I talked about before, you know, just like making mm-hmm. sure the pacing's good and and I love that like it's not each page individually, it's like the whole publication. yeah which is what's so fun about publication design (laughs) while today like two-year tenure for an art director is standard which means like art directors usually have their job for about two years at major publications Mm -hmm. I think it's so that they can keep things fresh I don't know why the turnover rate is so weird it's not at other places but that's pretty standard Settler and Ansel ended up holding their co-position as art directors for over 10 years.
0: I mean, if they're killing it, like, why would you replace them? Right?
1: Exactly. Like, there's no need. They're doing great.
0: Like, they're doing exactly what they need to be doing. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, for over That's 10 awesome, years, though. they're there, like, literally doing amazing things. And then, mm-hmm. it's kind of a sad ending. Uh, oh. A new editor arrived in the early 1970s, and they were very <laughs> unnerved by these two young dynamic female art directors who carried more control than one would expect so they just had too much power in the office Mm. the editor felt threatened because the editor is supposed to be the end-all be-all and I think the co-art directors had a little bit more say especially with it being a new art director I mean a new editor so they ended up leaving uh Fettler's final issue was in May of 1972 and then she ended up leaving to join Gloria Steinem in the launch of the new magazine Miss Magazine MS which became her new little thing for a while Ansel ended up art directing solo for five months and then she left later after the October 1972 issue and that's kind of where they parted ways I'm pretty sure they were friends for the rest of their life but their working partnership ended at that point
0: so it's not like they ended on like bad terms or anything
1: no like that. no because it wasn't really because of each other like <laughs> they yeah, left true. they obviously worked very well together for 10 plus years it mm-hmm. was just because of the new editor. That ending their working relationship as well and then they just found different places so Fatler, like I said went on to join Miss Magazine and it was brand new just beginning and so she was the first art director ever and brought over a lot of like that heavy experimentation that was taking place at Harper's Bazaar and one of her associates said her decision to go to Miss was made because she saw it as an opportunity to be creative and to do innovative work and she definitely did just that and it's very true the covers for Miss Magazine are like some of the weirdest things I've ever seen (laughs) but like in a very cool way obviously like she was just playing around with a lot of different ideas she has one that's like literally a comic book cover and Mm -hmm. it's like a guy talking to a woman and he says like do you know the woman's movement has no sense of humor and she says no but I'll hum a few bars and then I'll fake it (laughs) so just like this random thing she has another one that's about the beauty queen who wouldn't i don't know what the story is exactly but she has like basically this photo in the back of this beauty queen all in like pink and white and then she's holding a photograph of herself in full color just like completely different i also love the headlines on this one it's whatever happened to the male pill Talking about male birth control. We're all wondering. <laughs> that, that is a
0: question we, yeah, I was like, we're still <laughs> wanting the answer to that question.
1: Rosalind Drexler fights her fat. Oh, lovely. Return of the Amazon Mother. Who are the women candidates? We're all wondering that still.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, again, excellent question.
1: A Sylvia Plath demystified. A little okay. more than a muse going on there, bringing history. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they also had, like, these fan mags, Liz and Richard and all that.
0: I don't know who Liz and Richard are. They sound lovely. (laughs) I'm sure they were very important at the time.
1: (laughs) It dived into a lot more politics than she previously got to do at Harper's Bazaar, since that was, like, a fashion magazine. Miss was more
0: of, like, a lifestyle,
1: just, like, a women's
0: magazine, you know? Yeah, just Just, general women's. Yeah.
1: yeah. And she got to carry on using, like, Dayglow inks once again. I actually tried to see if I could get my book like printed and Glow inks or like some posters or something for this whole project oh so yeah? I was like, that would be so fun they don't really do it anymore <laughs> oh really yeah which is a major bummer i think some printers do in major cities but like we don't live in a major city. Mm, Maybe
0: Nashville has no, a diglow yeah. ink printer. Well, I'll do my research for you, and let you know. There you go.
1: But she also created like really unique signature formats for different sections of the magazine. She was known for mixing her photography, illustrations, and text layouts in really different ways. Typography was huge and she had really expressive typography work and just mm-hmm. always was willing to cross the line from traditional to innovative willing to face any backlash for risks that would properly handle the message they wanted to send. One of my other favorite covers of hers, and another one that I think I had on the More Than Amuse mood board, <laughs> because it was yes. also pink and green, apparently got a ton of criticism, which is very weird to me. But it was an all-type cover, so no photograph, no illustration, nothing. Just type on the cover of a magazine. It was okay. all pink And then it had green letters on the front that said, peace on earth, goodwill to people.
0: Wow. Instead of
1: goodwill to men. Do you
0: get it? And that Uh was really bold, I guess. Yeah.
1: And it was for the December issue.
0: I guess. Peace on earth, goodwill to people, which is. Oh, I guess that's what they're trying to make this stance. Goodwill to men.
1: And it's not goodwill to men. It's goodwill to people. (laughs) Ha ha. Miss magazine. How feminist of you. Um, it was also printed in day glow ink as well so just imagine like this neon pink cover with these bright Mm. acid green letters standing out on the newsstands for christmas just like
0: (laughs) i i love that yeah i love
1: it so much it's one of my favorites that they have i will for sure be posting it because it's literally just beautiful and of course the headlines are funny too marriage his and hers what toys can do to kids what can they do to kids (laughs) salaries his and hers also a very important question (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then this controversial one in the mind of a rapist which oh very curious about that what they were talking about in you know 1970s about that but of course even though it was super controversial Miss magazine ended up following up with a neon sign version the next year they created like this huge pink and green neon sign saying the same thing for their magazine which i love they embraced it
0: i'm obsessed yeah good for them
1: at miss she just continued to make her name in the world of graphic design obviously when you're Mm -hmm. an up-and-coming magazine the best thing you can have is some controversy surrounding your christmas issue you know and it just continued to be a major thing they expanded to cultural coverage They commissioned art and photography from renowned artists and Mm. had them participate. I also love this. They commissioned photography and art from Housewives
0: as well.
1: And they made arts and crafts and took the subway over to the office to show their work. And they would like exhibit it in the magazine. Of I love that
0: like they Uh were really
1: like championing women which I Uh love she always made time for those who showed their work and gave lots of thoughts to points and counterpoints that the pieces of art would allow so she like gave them feedback when they came into the office on their art pieces and of course because she was just insanely wonderful she freelanced the entire time (laughs) while she had all these other jobs going on while she was at Harper's and at Miss she was freelancing too that's insane So she worked on projects for Alvin Ailey Dance Company, Christian Dior, Dion Vaughn Furstenberg, Bill Hare, and Calvin Klein. Wow. Um, Those are not no names. (laughs) Exactly. She also continued to design record jackets, which I wish Mm -hmm. record jackets were cooler. (laughs) You know, they used to be like, I don't know, record jackets and posters, everything. It just used to be this beautiful world of design. And now it's sometimes a little boring i'm not gonna lie yeah but she did a album cover for the rolling stones for their black and blue album and then also created like book designs for the beatles cole diaglia diolive diolive i'm probably saying that wrong The Ballot's Roos, Lartouge's Diary of a Century, Vogue Book of Fashion Photography from 1919 to 1979, and Helmut Newton's White Women. One thing that was also really cool about her is that instead of just like the commission for the covers of the books she designed, she negotiated royalties from the books that Mm. she created. She said that the book designer gave life and joy to the book just as the author and illustrator did, and so they should share in the rewards from the book design that attracted the customers to buy the book
0: you know I would be so interested in like what the argument like what each side would like argue I know of that. because like thinking I of it see I'm that. Like, like uh yeah that sounds like don't right. judge a book by its <laughs> cover but like I love a good book cover and oh, that 100%. will absolutely attract me to the book yeah and there's so many
1: people that end up buying books just because of of the the cover cover, you know Mm -hmm. so it's a very good point and i think there's even statistics that say that like uh 70 percent of people agree that design is like the a major major factor in their purchasing power Mm -hmm. which makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense i mean
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely that's why
1: like apple continues to reign supreme right like because they focus so much on design that's why we pay attention to designer brands even though they cost way more than they
0: probably it's the should. same yeah, it's the same product, <laughs> just a little bit nicer. Exactly.
1: So I don't blame her for fighting for royalties. I think that that's actually a very compelling argument that maybe yeah. should be brought forward. She said modern books should be fifty fifty in terms of visuals and words. People have to be hit over the head and drawn into the book. There is so wow. much visual material in today's world that people can't judge what is good and what is bad. It's up to the graphic designer to set standards
0: dang 50 50 is
1: bold <laughs> i know i kind of feel like it's fair though especially now with how our world is continuing to get more focused on like visuals
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: the, like 50 50 like context and everything else and what it looks like yeah interesting in 1975 she had some major insistence from annie Leibowitz. Yes, we all know that name.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yes, major, major photographer. She started a six-year association with Rolling Stone magazine. I'm sure none of you have heard of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what is (laughs) that?
1: Yeah, of course, we all have heard of Rolling Stone. She actually even redesigned the format of the entire magazine twice during her seven-year association with them. Wow. So she did it once in 1977 for the 10th anniversary. Can you imagine the 10th anniversary of Rolling Stone? Yeah. It just feels like it's been around forever. Which had stunning photographs of Annie Leibovitz. And then again in 1981 when it shifted from a tabloid to a magazine. Because that's right, Rolling Stone used to be a tabloid.
0: I actually did not know that. That yep. is interesting. Uh-huh. That's,
1: yeah, cool. It was like a cheap, trashy magazine, and now it's like, you know. The music magazine. Exactly. Yeah. While replacing their color selections with vibrant, contrasting hues, she told an assistant, trust me, listen to me, I know. And obviously she did.
0: <laughs> yep, she did.
1: She was also well-known for how she worked with her assistants. They were inspired by her, but never governed by her approach to design. She didn't force everyone to do what she thought. Thought was best, but like the designs that she did were done her way. That makes sense.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. But
1: she was really generous in allowing them to come up with their own approaches, you know, allow them to have their own take on things. And really trusted her judgment and intuition about people. But once they gained her trust, so once a photographer or an assistant gained their trust, she basically just let them loose. Like she let Mm. them recognize their potential, do whatever they wanted to, like literally become these famous art directors that they would go on to be. And most of them did. And I feel like that's the
0: role of a teacher. So that's awesome. Yes,
1: exactly. And... Most of her students actually went on to become prominent art directors. Carl Burrell at Avenue, Charles Churchward at Vanity Fair, another little magazine, Paula mm. Grief at Mademoiselle, which was another major one at the time, and Barbara Rickner at Miss, the magazine that mm. she ended up leaving, you know, at some point. She had her art assistant take over. Her charming personality touched everyone who knew her but she could also be very demanding which I feel like is very fair for a woman in that position of power.
0: Yeah for the job she had it sounds like she had to be. Yes
1: and they said that her standards of design excellence were non-negotiable. In 1978 she ended up signing on as a consulting art director for Condé Nast. Condé Nast continues to hold the majority of publications today they are like the publishing house condé nast owns vogue the new yorker gentleman's quarterly or gq vanity fair wired and architectural digest uh and so much more those are some pretty big names so Mm, i'm convinced (laughs) glamour bon appetit house and garden teen vogue like literally Mm -hmm. pretty much all of the magazines that are still going today they're Mm
0: -hmm. probably
1: associated with condé Nast. Obviously, other than Dang. Rolling Stone, but like most fashion magazines and everything are like home and fashion. it's Got it. Yeah, it's Condé Nast. So she was the consulting art director for them. And she started with the graphic image for the new publication Self, which is actually still being published today. I haven't heard of it, but cool though it's a magazine (laughs) it's still going the editor chief phyllis wilson uh actually ended up crediting self-distinctiveness largely to fettler's experimental design approach and like her ability to work with photographs like moving Mm -hmm. them cropping them until you got something that would turn exciting so she worked Mm. with these photographers she got photographs out of it but she didn't just like put the photograph on the thing they like changed it molded it made it its own this is when i wish i would have been a student in 1974 she started teaching design classes at the school of visual arts i have to say like if i could afford any grad school program in the world i would want to go to sva okay
0: cool (laughs) because
1: almost every single woman that i talked about in this book at some point taught or was a student at the school of visual arts
0: oh wow
1: yeah like every single one of them
0: so that's significant
1: (laughs) yeah except for the ones that like died before the school was there but like pretty much everyone else which is insane so like I would love to go there it's super expensive though
0: take out a loan
1: money's (laughs) fake (laughs) right right. (laughs) I I know maybe eventually we'll figure it out (laughs) but for now we're just trying to afford living in Utah (laughs) New York City But she took a position teaching classes there and then ended up teaching advanced students at the school from 1974 until 1980. And the program head actually remembers her as one of the very best teachers, saying that students fought to be admitted to her class and she rarely denied anyone from joining her class. Wow. I know, which is cute. She said, what really turns me on is the 55 students in my editorial design course at the School of Visual Arts. (laughs) She said that in an interview in a magazine. One semester, due to an overwhelming workload, she declined to teach, only to return with an even bigger workload the next semester, saying that she needed the inspiration and contact with the students that only teaching could provide.
0: Oh, that's that's awesome. So she
1: really relied on it, like working at the magazine she was working at and yet still taking the time out to go and teach classes at the Mm -hmm. college. You know, like that, it shows how much she really, truly appreciated the students too. Definitely. Uh, She was uninhibited, undeterred as a teacher, encouraging each student's personal direction and even recalled having a young student named Keith Herring. Do you know who Keith Herring is, Sadie? It sounds so familiar. (laughs) Who is it? He is one of the most major
0: modern artists ever oh. <laughs> like if so you am google i really him, exposing myself by not knowing who no this you're is. good
1: you recognize the name um i keith, do keith herring is the one with like the little people that are made out of color like holding the hearts and stuff if you google his name you'll know his artwork
0: yep <laughs> right yes immediately oh i like honestly this is, like, the kind of thing that I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot somebody had to design that. Like, you just see it everywhere. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, this had to have been someone who did it yep. first. Someone you know? created it. Mm-hmm. And that was
1: Keith Herring. He was one of her students, and he had a lot of graffiti-inspired work, obviously, as you can see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but He was having a hard time with it, and Fettler really encouraged his potential and told him to keep delving into that direction.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we can't owe his... Com- career to her but she was a great teacher who encouraged him at a very pivotal point i'm sure
0: that's awesome
1: um fettler's final project that she ever did in her life which sucks that she didn't live longer was the premiere issue of the revived vanity fair they did like this whole thing brought it back sadly like she had a really rare form of cancer in her Mm. later years she actually went under surgery twice to try and remedy it and treat it a lot of people even said that they had no idea that she'd even been undergoing chemotherapy they just thought that her turbans were a stylish fashion choice (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. Because
1: of just the way she carried herself, like, no one even thought. They were just like, oh, yeah, she's wearing turbans now, you know? Like, like that's, that's just how she dresses. Yeah, That'd that's be just Bea being her. And when she got too sick to come into work, an associate would actually take the mechanicals to her apartment for her pr- approval. That's, like, wow. the full layout of the magazine in, like, little okay. little miniatures. Have you seen The Devil Wears Prada?
0: Yes, I have. You know,
1: the book that she has of, like, the magazine before it's published that she, like, has to go and take to her house?
0: yeah and uh it's like the
1: precious thing that's like the mechanicals
0: oh yes i do remember that though
1: after the premiere vanity fair issue was completed bay fettler ended up going home to brazil but didn't live to see it published sucks, because she passed away april 8th in 1982 she passed away at only age 44 entirely too young
0: that's so sad yeah yeah
1: like i'm sure she would have continued to go on to have a very very long career hundreds of people attended her memorial service and as a living tribute for her legacy her friends and family founded the bay fettler foundation which funds a full one-year scholarship for a junior graphic design student at the school of visual
0: arts where she taught oh I love good. it That's- seems very right i know
1: so fitting friends co-workers and associates remember fettler for her inexhaustible energy exuberant and extravagant zest for life she was deeply devoted to her cultural history and traditions and yet filled with the spirit of the 60s with a dichotomy undaunted by any struggle between her past and future
0: and that's her Oh my goodness, that is so cool.
1: I know, I just love her. Like, I wish I could just own all of the magazines she ever made and just like flip through them, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) uh Because there's like
1: a lot of spreads that you can find online. A spread is like the two pages side by side. But the full magazines, there's very few and a lot of them are on Etsy for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars
0: oh dang i was like get it but okay that no makes sense it's though. a lot
1: but she has some fun ones she has this spread that says like if pat nixon were a feminist okay and i can't uh-huh. read it very well but it like goes into like how it would change if like if she were a feminist um yes. she also has this really cool one where they had like the photographer take a shot of the model in the fashion And then on the opposite page, they actually had an illustrator draw the same thing, but change up some of the patterns and stuff. So it's like these parallel pages, but with one's illustrated and one's a photograph. Just like some really fun, different stuff, like things that you would probably never see in a magazine now, but Mm -hmm. just fun for it to exist and be there. And here, I'll show you, this is the green and pink one. Oh, I love that. Yes. I want to hang it like one day. The dream would be that we have like a little studio, right? Maybe each of us have mm-hmm. our own since we live across the country from each other. But yes, um, and decorate that it would like, go up. pink and green, and that would be. I a love spot.
0: it. That's the dream.
1: Yeah, but that's oh, May literally one of my absolute favorites. If I could work <laughs> as an art director in the nineteen sixties and seventies, I would love that. Like, but that's the dream. <clears throat> I know Dang. for a fashion magazine or book cover and record cover design
0: yeah i was gonna say what a shame that magazines are not what they once were because it would be really cool but alas we are in a digital era i know i lament it all the time
1: Uh uh-huh it's the only time that i actually feel like i was born in the wrong time period and then I'm like, no, I like my rights.
0: <laughs> Literally, like, okay, okay, let me understand things here. But yeah, but it's like, but
1: man, it would be so cool to be at like the height of like the music and, you know, mm-hmm. art counterculture that was just exploding in the 60s and 70s. It would, it be, would be beautiful. So, and the music was fun then too. So, I know music was great, music and magazines, it's the dream. Well,
0: thank you for teaching me about her and what an amazing woman and designer is so accomplished and I love it. I know. She's literally
1: so fun. Anytime anyone's like, what are your favorite graphic designers? She's always one of the top ones I mentioned
0: now because I just think she's just so cool. Well, we will be back next week for another episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed learning about a new amazing artist
1: and we'd also love it if you come over and follow our instagram obviously this uh, is yes. an audio format
0: come see the visual part of it
1: we're constantly posting mm-hmm. pictures everything else we can to complete the full picture of who we covered that week so yes come check us out over there as well more than amuse.podcast
0: bye <laughs>